0: And welcome back, my dear friends, to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. Around the Shabbos Table is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we're growing. We are. We have more listeners, and we have more content. And if you go check us out on intentionaljew.com, you too can find all the amazing things that are happening there. And remember, no part of Shabbos was desecrated in any way, shape, or form in the production of this show. So let's get around the Shabbos table. Today we have a really interesting conversation that my father and I were talking about um, throughout the day based off of different shirim and different ideas that he was giving um, this week. But it's, it's connected to what was, we were recording this on, on um, Pesach Shani. And Pesach Sheini, the whole institution of it, we'll get into what it was. And really we want to talk about what it means. And we want to talk about this concept of perhaps misiras nefesh, and um, desire for mitzvos and desire for a connection with God. And that's what we're going to try to bring out, really unrelated unconnected to Pesach Sheni, but that's the springboard that brings us there and really brings us forward to um, Kabbalah Satorah and to where we actually receive the Torah on Shavuos, the next holiday that's on its way. So uh, with that, let's uh, get around the Shabbos table. Yeah, so I'm not going to say right away that
1: I disagree with you, but um, I, I think that I think we'll see really tr- truly amazing things in this if if, if, we, if we get into the place that I wanted to get to. You know, I realized a bunch of things today. We had been talking about Sheni, which we'll explain again in a minute what exactly what Sheni is. And I gave a class in a a seminary today, and um, and I spoke to the students, and and these are good girls, um, connected, interested, totally totally into it, and. Um, not though, and, and, and it's so tiny, but just nobody really spent any time with them on, on Pesach Sheni. They knew it was Pesach Sheni, they knew there was a minute to eat matzah. But they didn't realize the power behind this day, which I'm, I'm sure that most people don't realize, and that the, the energy that flows through the day of, of Pesach Sheni and what could be accomplished without, there's no rituals of Pesach Sheni other than a custom of eating matzah, but just a, a little bit of thought and a little bit of resolve on, on Pesach Shani. And this is the, not only the day where that energy flows, it's actually the week where that energy flows. And uh you know I'll tell you some of my, my, my base thoughts on. Well
0: start start from the start from the beginning. What is Pesach exactly. Shani? You know, where where is it instituted? Where does it come from? Sources from the Torah and then we'll build ourselves up into into where we can go with it.
1: Right. In the second year of uh, of being in the desert so they were me- meant to keep a Pesach and there were many people that were impure. And weren't capable of keeping that pesach, and they, they were they, they, it was was difficult for them. The words that's used in the Torah is that they turned to Moshe and said, "Lamani gora, why should we be diminished by this? Why should why should we lose out by not being able to keep pesach?" Which. Um, because of that was instituted a thing called Pesach Sheni, a second Pesach, which is an opportunity for those people that throughout history that were not able to make it to the Beis HaMikdash, to to make it to the Temple, because they were far away, or because they were delayed by some other thing that got in their way, or because they were um, um, spiritually impure and weren't capable of keeping the the mitzvah of carbon Pesach. So they were given an alternate date to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of carbon Pesach, of the Paschal Lamb. And on that day, that day was different than the regular Pesach. There was no Isr chometz. There was, and there's all discussions about this in the Talmud of how far the day went. But basically, it was a day to have an opportunity to be able to eat the carbon Pesach and to 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 accomplish the thought process that needs to go into the up the the uplifting directional thought process about the Exodus of Egypt and keeping ourselves in check and putting ourselves back in in proper order. Now, the, the what's fast what's really fascinating about it. That's okay. So it's like another. Jewish day, that's all. Nowadays, it doesn't really do anything other than we don't say Tachnun. There's no There's no real observance of it, it's nothing. Um, but but nevertheless, what does the day really mean? So many people spend their time on the fact that it was another opportunity to be able to do, and all that's great, but, but it really you have to go back to the words that were used by the Jewish people that got it instituted as a law, because it wasn't a law. Whether it was meant to be a law, but God just wanted us to, to institute it by our desire, or whether it was always going to be a law, that, that that doesn't, for the moment, doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, we said the words Lamanigara. Why, why should we be diminished from this? Why should we miss out? And the truth is, is that those words Lamanigara were, were magic words, because those words said, hey, you know what? I feel like if I don't have this, then I am going to be, I'm going to be missing something in my life. And that, that I, I don't want to be diminished. I don't, want to, I don't want to go through life feeling like I'm missing something. There's a great opportunity coming here for me to be able to, to get closer to God, and, and all I want is to get closer than God. So you know, it's, a, it's a, the Lama Nigara moment. And it was that moment where you realize that I love this. I love this, and I can't live without this. You know, God said to Moshe, go and take care of the Midianim, the Midianites, and then, the afterwards, you're dead. Now, if somebody said to you, do task X, and then you're going to die, how many years, how many decades is it going to take you to get to task X? Your key procrastination moments will be wrapped up in that act. You're not going to say, exactly. I, I want to do it, I want to do it. You're not going to do it right away. Moshe Rabbeinu right away goes, and he fights the battle. So you could look at him and you could say, well, Moshe didn't care about his life. Clearly, he didn't care about his life, because he was willing to dash it by by doing this thing that God said to him to do. Or you can look at it the other way. Moshe Rabbeinu looked at his life and he said, if I don't do this mitzvah, I'm dead. I'm living without a mitzvah. And living with a hole in my life, that's that's like being dead. If I do this mitzvah, I'm dead, but I have the mitzvah. So living life without an opportunity, he couldn't imagine that there could be life without an opportunity. He just wanted that opportunity to be able to do this. And that was, that, that was, a, a, that was a powerful moment. And that, that, what they were able to bring about because of that, the institution of this thing called Pesach Sheni, because of their sheer desire, God looked at that and said, that's amazing. Now, you have to put that in context also of the time that it fell in. You have to put it in the context of the three months that one run right after each other. You start with... Um, you, you start with... Um, Nissan. Nissan. And then Iyar, and then Sivan. Nissan, the constellation of Nissan, is the, the zodiac of Nissan, is Tle, is a sheep. Then is Ax, that's Iyar. And then you have, in the third month, you have um, the the twins... And those three are actually telling us the story of this period of time. We came out of Mitzrayim. we were like sheep. God, God inspired the whole thing. He did the whole thing. He pulled us out of Mitzrayim, and then He looked at us and He said, "Now hey, you gotta do something." And that was the ox. The ox is not led. Ox is not like in a in a flock. The ox leads. The ox has has a power and a strength. And then, when you have that power, when you take God's influence, and it washes through you, and it burns through you, so now you can become a partner with God. Now you can become a twin as a partner. And that was the giving of the Torah in the month of Sivan. We became partners with God in the continued creation of the world. And that's, that's the power of Lamanigara, standing on your own two feet and saying, no, nothing is going to get in my way. I'm going to do this. And that's what Sirius Nefesh is. Mesir Yisnafesh is that I know I have a task and nothing is going to get in my way. And that's, that's what this day is. This day of, of Pesach Sheni, which we just say it's Pesach Sheini, no Tacharun today. You know, pass the mustard. Like it's, not, it's nothing. It's everything. Because it tells us that if we're going to succeed at all in Torah, if we're going to succeed in life, we need... To have these moments Of Lama Nigara If I don't do this If I don't live this way I'm going to be missing something
0: right. I always like to get into the mindset of the, of the Jews in the desert The ones who weren't there And the ones who, who then I'm sorry Who were not able Unable Unfitting To bring the Korban Pesach At that time And they came back To Moshe And they said Lama Nigara. So I always put myself in their, in, their, in their shoes And I say What were they thinking? There's a, there's a halacha in the Torah. There's a system here. The system is if you're impure or if you're too far, you don't bring. How could it be that you stand up and say, why not us? Because not you. Because this is the way the system works. So there, there's a, like when I put myself in their shoes and I think about that, and I think, how, how could it be that they could have asked, and and then there's you know the 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 conversation as well is how could it be that then the Torah then God is makes up this new um this new halacha and this new institution of Pesach Shini just for them, okay that that I can separate but just in their mindset, what were they asking for? And I like to ask this question: Were they did they assume that the further and harder they push, then the better the halacha they'll get out of Moshe? So I think. You know, we asked this question by
1: Veschanon. It says in the Torah, veschanon. El Shamashu was like ripping apart the Jewish people and saying to them, and I prayed to God. So the word Veschanon bigmatria is 515. 515. So we say that Moshe Binu prayed 515 times. So many people say, wow, what a man of faith. You could look at it and go, What a nudge. Yeah, it's 515 times. Imagine what was God going to say at the end. Of okay, okay, you can go into Israel. Stop it already. It's crazy. 515 times. And God said to them, stop, could you say one more? I won't, I, I'm going to have to let you in, and I can't let you in. Because what God was seeing from Moshe was not just mere persistence. His soul was burning to be able to go into Israel to get closer to God. Now, how do you get closer than speaking to God face to face? Because being in God's land, you are in God's, you're in God's world, in the center of God's world. And that's where he wanted to be. And that, that connection that between God, the Jewish people, the Torah, the land of Israel, that's what Moshe wanted. With every fiber of his existence, what God wanted is he, he, he told these people, they're exempt. You're exempt. And really, when you're exempt, you're exempt. You're off the hook. You don't get punished for it. It doesn't go on your, on your, your sheet, right, on your rap sheet, that no one will ever mention it. You were pater. Oines, Rachmana, Patry. Even, you more are than, exempt.
0: even more than onus, you're, you you're totally out of this halacha. Right. You're totally out of this halacha. You know, we see, I have to try to come back to that, but, but we
1: see that when the nations of the world complain to God, and they say to God that, why don't you give us the Torah? So God said, because I know you, you can't do the Torah. So what do you mean? We know we can't do the Torah. If you would have held the mountain overheads, you would have been able to do the Torah. God said, not Not sure. Even if I held a mountain over your head, you wouldn't have been able to keep the Torah. So they said, yeah, yeah, really? So God said, yeah, here, let's let's go. And he gave a mitzvah to the world, the mitzvah of sukkah. And everybody went into the sukkah, the yidin went into the sukkah, the Jews went in, the non-Jews went in, everybody went into the sukkah. And then God takes the sun out of its sheath, and it is as hot as Gehennem times 20. It's just unbearable outside. Now we know we have a law that says that amidst star, part, a sukkah, That if you're in a lot of pain, you're allowed to leave the sukkah. It smells bad. It's very cold in there. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable place. You're allowed to leave the sukkah. So we all left the sukkah. They left the sukkah. We left the sukkah. They left the sukkah. We left the sukkah singing V'samachtah Bechagecha and they left the sukkah and they kicked the sukkah on the way in. God said to them, that's the proof. Now they were truly, they were crestfallen. They were, they were completely bl- bombed out and bummed out that they couldn't keep the mitzvah sukkah. So they kicked the sukkah out of frustration. I mean, they were really upset and legitimately upset. But what did that prove? That they weren't serving God. They were serving themselves. And what God wants to see that we're serving him. So he left out any kind of, any kind of solution here. It wasn't, it wasn't that they were going to create the solution. He left out the solution. What he wanted to teach us here, and he wanted to see from us, is do you desire me? Or is it just that you want the custom? You, can't, you don't know how to live without the custom. And when I tell you that you don't have to do it, you still have to do it because it's not really about the thing. It's really about you. You ever hear the story? It's a great point. You ever hear the story? Just, I tell the story a thousand times, it's a gorgeous story from Rabbi Lef. Rabbi Lef says that when he was a Rav, he was in Florida, but he's, he was a Rav, and a fellow came to see him. And he said to him that um, his wife brought him in and said, My husband is whatever, you know, 80, 90 years old. And he wants to fast. Yom Kippur, Rabbi, can you talk to him? And he found out, the rabbi found out the facts, and he said to him, you can't fast. Doctors say you can't fast, you can't fast. So the rabbi says, you're a, you're a young whippersnapper. Who are you to tell me that I can't fast? He says, I've, I've fasted since my bar mitzvah every single year on Yom Kippur, so it was at 70, 80 years. You're not taking this away from me. This is, this is what I do. I fast on Yom Kippur, and you can't, you can't tell me I can't fast on Yom Kippur. So the Rav looks at him and says, can you wait here for one second? I need to go speak to the gabi So the guy says, why don't you speak to the Gabi? We're in the middle of a meeting. We're talking to each other. What do you mean, speak to the gabi He says, I have to tell the gabi that you can no longer get an aliyah in our shul. So the guy says, why not? He says, because we don't give ovde avodazara, idolaters, aliyahs in our shul. I don't care if your idolatry is called Zeus, or your idolatry is called Venus, or your idolatry is called Yom, Yom Kippur. Some mythic, because that guy wasn't serving God. That guy was serving Yom Kippur. You know, we got to ask ourselves this question because a lot of yeah. times Shabbos, we ain't
0: serving God. We serving Shabbos and Cholent. Right. I always say Le Covet Shabbos, Covet my, my boy, my stomach. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not Le yeah. Covet It's No, it is.
1: You renamed your boy Shabbos. Shabbos. That's right. right. No, I and mean, this is everything we do. Do we do it out of habit? Or do we do or it or even more than yeah. Because we're serving to be burnished on them. Lama nigara, those words said, I'm going to be diminished. I'm broken as a human being. I'm missing something as an Eivir Hashem. Not just because you're taking away a, a, a custom from me. You're taking away a cultural thing from me. You're taking away my very essence, which is a moment to be able to draw closer to God. God said, if that's what you're all about, now I'm going to give you a Pesach Shani.
0: Right. And the lesson for us is not always that it's result-based. It's not that when you show God your desire, He's going to say, you know what? There's a new halacha in the Torah for you. Here it is. Do this. You know, you want to keep Shabbos like this? You want it so bad? Here's a new halacha. It's not result-based, but what God taught us was that there's the, that, that when you separate the two, the result and the desire, and you just look at the desire, desire is beautiful, is amazing, regardless of the result. You may not be able to do Pesach Sheni. And if it would have been the same lesson of the desire, had God not given them pesach sheni, it would have been the same lesson that desire is important. We, it would have been harder to learn it out. But the lesson here is about the desire to desire a connection to God, to desire a connection to um, to Torah. And that, that that lesson that you said also from the sukkah, which is so true, and it's the opposite end. It's where you're in the middle of a mitzvah, and then you know you're wearing tittas and you realize they're they're invalid, and you got to pull them off. That pulling them off is just as much Mechayim the mitzvah as it is wearing them because you are not wearing a four-cornered garment with, without, without tzitzit on it. That's right. And, and not to be, oh no, I'm not, I'm so mad, I'm going to wear them anyways because I need to wear tzitzit. But be happy and kiss the sukkah on the way out. Kiss the sukkah and, want and desire the connection to God. The same God
1: that told me to go into the sukkah is the same God that told me to go out of the sukkah. I'm serving him no matter which way I'm doing it. But but the 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 concept of mesiras nefesh, you know that the of selfless dedication of pushing yourself beyond your boundaries, where does that come from? It comes from that desire. It doesn't come from that punctiliousness. I have to do this. That 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 OCDness that I have to do this mitzvah, and therefore I'm mesiras nefesh for it because there's going to hit a wall pretty soon. But but that where you have no bounds, where you just keep pushing yourself to do to do, it's because. You love it, and that's what we have to... That, that is our, one of our biggest challenges, to keep ourselves in love with Torah, or, or to fall in love with Torah, and to fall in love with God. For some people, they've never fallen in love with God. They've just gotten to the place of where they do mitzvos and they, they keep going, but they're not, it's not a sense of being in love. And that's what... That's what that's Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is. Pesach Sheni is the day that we can fall in love with God like our ancestors did, just by saying, Lamani God, if
0: I don't have this opportunity, look what I'm missing. I think it's so important also as we approach that it's interesting, um, like the in the timeline of the Magali Hashanah, like how we're, we're moving towards Shavuos. Shavuos is is pretty technical in that sense, that it's a Kabbalah Satorah, your Kabbalah a set of laws being turning into a nation that is now bound by these laws. You have Kafa Aleim Har Kikigis, you're, which is celebrating held the, the ma- fact that the the god held the mountain over our heads with all of its challenges and philosophy how how did that work um it this it, it's a it's a um a covenant that we entered on shavuos and a and in, yeah in essence a covenant so almost stripped of the desire but this reminds us pesach shani this again this whole connection between pesach pesach shani um, and Shavuos and the and the Omer, which connects it, it's reminding you that no 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 no, there is no there is no sukkah without kissing it on the way out, there is no Torah without Pesach Shemi. there is no there is no uh, system that would work without the desire behind it, because a system as a system is only a system, and it's just it's just a framework to get you to to get you to do certain things and certain rituals, but it's not what we're doing here. And I, I just it wouldn't it wouldn't exist, it wouldn't last. There's no kium, there's no uh, continuity to it if it's just if it's just a structure. And our job is to be Lamanigar. our job is to infuse it with that desire. And the question the question there is, how? So before I get to how, look at the at the other end of the week.
1: The end of Lag-Bomer. the week is Lagbomer. So Lagbomer which you don't necessarily love my explanation, but that's fine. Lag Bomer is the, is the day that, besides Rabbi Shumer Yochai and that whole thing, but it's also the day that Rabbi Akiva, the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, Stop that dying. Died, stopped dying on that day. So we always ask the question, why would that be a holiday? It's just the day that people didn't die. You know, I mentioned that past Thursday, there were zero deaths from Corona in Israel, which is just a great thing to know. Zero deaths from Corona in Israel, and over the past couple of days, it's been zero, one, three. I mean, it's been it's been nothing, and uh, it's it's a it's really an amazing thing. Would we turn it into a holiday? I'm not sure because of the six and a half thousand people that, that have died. So I'm not sure we turn it into a holiday. But um, so so what? So why is this uh, like B'Omer is a holiday, quasi holiday, whatever. We don't say Tachanun, but but it's it, it's as some nature, some quality of a of a holiday, because I think that it was the day that Rabbi Akiva changed his mind. Rabbi Akiva changed his, his ideology and philosophy. His education which, system. His uh, educational yeah. system, which was based on love your neighbors yourself, and he changed it to man was creating the image of God. Which means it has nothing to do with the way I feel about things. It's not, you know, I, I like this and therefore I like it for you also, but it's that I want only the best for you because you are creating the image of God. It has nothing to do with me. It takes me out of the picture. And Rabbi Akiva changed his philosophy, opened up another yeshiva, and was clearly successful because his five students changed the entire world changed the face of the entire world they reestablished Torah they right? reestablished Torah so that day is that, that that day is a day of change but look who made that change, it was rabbi akiva and and we're, so really ultimately on that day we're celebrating we're we're commemorating rabbi akiva rabbi akiva's a guy who the first 40 years of his life hated rabbis but the reason that That's he what he was known them, for, right? He was known for hating rabbis. And he said, you know, if I was a donkey, I would bite them, whatever. But, but he didn't hate rabbis. He loved them. He loved them. And that was the reason why he hated them so much, because he was disappointed in them, because he had an expectation of them. Because he ultimately, deep down, loved God. And he loved God's, God's uh, d- um, people, God's right-hand men. Remember, when Shimon Sunni came up with this theory of that the word et means with... And he went through every word et in the Torah. Every word et. And he said with. And they were all correct. Everyone was with something, with something, with something. God created, you know, she had, Achava had Kayan and Hevel. So we explained et the et Hevel. With Kayan there was a twin sister, with Hevel there was a twin sister. Et HaShemayin ve'et Every time he says the word et, it means with. And, and Shimon Hamsun, he laid it out, and it was like, what a work. What a, what a life's work. Magnum opus. And then he got to the word, Neshamel Kechem Tiru, the Lord your God you shall fear, and he said, "Et Hashem with the Lord your God you shall fear." That's it. I'm done. Made a mistake. Can't be true. Who could you fear with God? And what does Rabbi Akiva say to him? Comes on Rabbi Akiva and he says to him, "No, es Hashem al tiru means the rabbi says Tamil chachomin. to include the Torah scholars." Because the Torah scholars are our very life's breath. They're a very, very foundation of everything. Our Torah scholars are our guides, our leaders. Rabbi Kiva was in love with rabbis, in love with Torah and its leadership and its system. The first 40 years of his life, though, he was disappointed by it because he loved it so much. To love something, this this is going to ultimately answer your question, to love something, to desire it, you have to understand it. You have to understand it, not for what it does for you, but for what it is. And with that, you have to be able to look in to the center of things. Rabbi Akiva walks past a rock, and he sees water dripping on a rock. And Rabbi Akiva says, holy cow, the water on the rock is like Torah in my head. And if the water can penetrate a rock, Torah can penetrate my head. Let me go to Yeshiva. Now, how in the world did Rabbi Akiva get from water dripping on a rock what about the hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people? Who people saw it. That yeah. saw it. Walked past it and said, "Son of a gun! <laughs> amazing. The water's leaking on. making a little hole there. Ooh, somebody better fix that. Because you know, call a plumber, right? And people looking at it, they saw it. They knew it, but they didn't look at what water means. They didn't look what a rock is. They didn't internalize anything. And therefore, it did nothing for them. Rabbi Akiva had this incredible ability to see into the center of everything. And if you, if you don't have that ability or desire to see into the center of things, then you can't recognize their value. If you can't recognize their value, you'll never desire them. You'll never have... Your, your soul will never pine away from them. Away for them. That's, that's where... Lama Nigara comes from, because I understand its value, and when I understand its value, I, I just I just want it so I
0: just want it. I, I want that advantage that it's going to bring me. Right, like the Mishnah says, "Avizar be, be mitzvah kala Is that you have to be careful with all mitzvahs because value is not what they give back to you but value they have in, inherent value and when you could see that each one is a connection is a tool to god then have desire it looks easy or it looks hard is only perception because it, it, it you never know what it's going to be and all of them are tools and abilities to get closer to god so once you value them then you uh, you treat them you treat them all the same way the bigger ones are e- are easy to recognize the value. Oh, no, no,
1: but ask me now, Aaron, what are the bigger ones? I don't know. In your life, these are the bigger ones. Right, correct. In my life, these are the bigger ones. There's there's bigger and smaller mitzvahs, meaning that there are mitzvahs that are more apparent and less apparent, but every person has a bigger and smaller. What's a bigger one to you is a smaller one to me, and what's a smaller one to me could be a bigger one to you. So you have to be as careful with the with the smaller ones as you are with the, with the bigger ones as, you are, as with the smaller ones you have to be careful with the whole package because there are some things that are very apparent very clear very easy but you have to you have to be able to recognize the value of everything that everything is valuable yeah that's the that, that that's this day for me that's this week for me this week for me is to look into the center understand the value so that you can have a cheshek, you can have a desire a love for the things that you're doing, not just doing them. Not just, not just going through all the motions and fulfilling everything, but of really having a desire, looking at it and saying, I, I really couldn't live without
0: this. Okay, so this is, all, this is all great. The idea of desire and of adding in the desire back into our Judaism is very good. But what do you think about desire without structure? Whereas if you have plain, just desire to do good, but it's not translating into now, uh therefore I'm going to do a mitzvah. it's just I really, really want to get close to God, and again, not that it's you're you're creating alternative ways because alternative ways we have examples in the Torah where people wanted so badly this connection with God and then came up with an alternate Torah and an alternate law. okay, we saw that ended it with death, that didn't end the right way, but what about? Is there something to learn from just someone who's just pure desire without restructuring the Torah?
1: So I fear that desiring, without to- desiring God, God is not only the creator of the world, but he's also the lawgiver. God didn't just create a world. He created a world with a purpose. When we say the Shema every morning, we say two blessings. And by my revosa, we say two blessings. One blessing is on the creation of the world. Right, Maoros, and the other blessing is on Torah. And the reason why those are the two blessings before you then call out, Shema Yisoel Shamal Shamachot, God, you're mine, before you do that, you have to recognize that there is a, a creator, and he created the world for a purpose, and that's the Torah. So if I only recognize one of those, God, you're my creator, right, and I, and I love you as my creator, so then you're missing half the picture. I but you feel really good about it and you feel really connected to God. I fear that it's not God that you feel connected to, but it's that yourself and the good part of yourself, the moral part of yourself, the ethical part of yourself, but that's what you're connected to. It's not God, because God is all of that. God is a creator and God is a lawgiver. And I don't think that you can have I don't think you can have a relationship with God as a lawgiver without God as creator. And I don't think you can have a relationship with God as a creator without God as a lawgiver.
0: Right, I, I definitely agree with the with the full sentiment, but I just think that someone, just like there's some there's something to learn. The same way we say that someone who's only has a connection to God as a lawgiver, but not a connection with God as a you know a love or desire with God. So we look at that person, we say ah, there's something to learn. You know, we don't throw them out because there's something to learn. I think as well, what I call always the full time mimen. You know, the guy who literally sits, on, uh, sits on, on mountaintops just believing in God, but does no structural Torah and no, uh, no laws. So I think there's something to learn from that. I think living in the balance of the two is the perfect place to live, but I think that you can look at that person and gain insight into what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to have a relationship with God? Um, and we could do this with relationships with people as well. You have certain people who are you know, very good husbands, to their wives, but there's not a lot of connection, not a lot of love. They're, they're, they keep all the, you know, all the books and they keep all the laws, but there's no love. So they need to look, that person needs to look at the, at the lovers, the people who have love who can't get married, who can't hold down a fort and can't, you know, hold down a family. So there's something to learn from those people that you can infuse into your life. But I think that there is, there is something beautiful about the person who loves without structure he might need structure and i do agree that there's there's nothing you know you can't get anywhere without the structure of the torah in terms of a relationship with god but in terms of a desire for god and that's almost what we're learning here from from these uh from the Pesach guys is that there was a desire what happens with the desire it's going to either be torah yes or torah no do it or don't do it but but cut that out for a second just the desire to desire this connection of God with God so is is important I think I think even in my own life I desire to do something that I shouldn't and and now I now I can't because God told me I can't but I have desire to do it I have a desire to do something that I that I'm put there from the same same kind of thing it's important to have that desire even though I know the answer is don't do it but the you you infuse the desire in all the parts of your life, and then you can and then you can start getting to the structure of the Torah. That that's what I think the answer to how how do we infuse our, our life is is just un- untie that that box. We we keep a little box of desire all tied up because we're scared of it. Because once you start desiring, then you have to you be careful because you can't desire these things. You can't desire what your friends have. You can't desire your friend's wife. And there's certain desires in the Torah that are. That are um, listen that are un- that you're unable to access. So I think we're scared of those, and therefore we put all desire, even the desire to put on our twill, and even the desire to to do good things, and I think we put them all in this box, tie it up twice, and then and then put it somewhere. So I think you have to unlock it, all desire, and then control it. Yaakov goes to meet Esav. He sends him a message. Im lovan garti.
1: I lived with lovan garti gimel resh. Yud. If you take that anagram it, it's taryag 613 mitzvahs. So he was sending a message to Esav, and Gati, Live with love kept 613 Commandments. And I never learned from his bad ways. The way that most rabbis learn it is that what he was saying to him is, is that, dude, don't touch me. I'm I am i am good. You know, I'm, I'm powerful. Because I just lived with a lovin' for all these years. And and I and I kept from I kept my 613 and I didn't learn from his bad ways. But then there was one bold rabbi that came along and said, no, it was a lament. Im Lovan Gartia lived with lovin. Vitari of Mitz I kept all six thirteen laws. But I didn't learn from his bad ways. I didn't learn how to have his how to have a fire to 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 what you're doing. How to desire what you're doing. Now he was desiring nonsense. He was desiring idolatry. But he was desiring it and I didn't learn
0: that from him. Now I know you love me. Because even though you disagree with me fundamentally, you can give me a Vart to power my entire <laughs> thought process. Yeah. Now I know you love me. Right? I, I do. And I and I but I but I do disagree with you a little
1: bit. I do disagree with what? you a little bit because the, the 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 fact. That Do you, I don't you, know if
0: you disagree with me fundamentally. I think you disagree with me practically because you think it's a slippery slope and it's hard I, to open up desire. That's right. How, what would that look like for a Yaakov Avinu to learn and take the Maisimar the Maisimarim, the bad things that Asaph does, and turn them into good? I mean, that takes right. that's a craft. That's that's crazy. And you're you're sitting there with the garbage and you're pulling out the good things that were. So what I'm afraid of, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry, but what I'm afraid of is that when you look at a Jewish guy
1: who's got all this desire and he's sitting in, you know, kumbaya up the yang, you know, oh, God, it's so great. I'm worried. You look at it and you go, that is awesome because it has no encumbrances. It has no legalities. It has no boundaries. I can just feel God. And I think that that's a okay. dangerous alternative that alternative
0: doesn't exist. I think right, I agree with you. You have to go in knowing this, the concept of Ein ben Choren el Amish Osek Right,
1: Only
0: is, somebody who learns Torah is considered a fully free person. A fully free person. There's no that's freedom right. by casting away the yoke of heaven and the yoke of the law Right. and this relationship with the, with the lawgiver. There's, that's not freedom. Right. Freedom is keeping a structure. But, but when you have that mindset and then you look and you can incorporate some of that into our Judaism, then I think that is a way that one can infuse their Judaism with desire. Right. And the good, the good litmus test on yourself is do you, A, kick the sukkah on the way out Is if you know, we were discussing when you can't daven with a minion is a a light one, but when you can't have a seder with people, when you, for whatever reason, right? Correct. But there's going to be, there's going to be instances in your life that you're going to be pater from certain mitzvos. And do you kick the sukkah on the way out? And you say, good, it's much easier for me to not have to do that. Or do you kiss the sukkah on the way out? And that's one litmus test of where your desire is. And the other is beforehand, when you're, when you're exempt from it, are you looking at it and saying, I would love to do that so bad? Lama nigara, why do I lose out? How? How is there a way that I could possibly be chayv and make myself, put myself in a situation? Maybe, but there's desire and test yourself, keep your finger on your pulse and see, do I have that desire before? And am I kicking the sukkah on the way out? And that's why this is much greater than just Pesach Shani. It's a, it's a, it's how we relate to our mitzvahs, how we relate to our Judaism. Right. Is the desire there?
1: The, um, when we weren't able to go to shuls, so there was a certain acceptance. You had to accept it. And, and when you didn't accept it, you, you made yourself crazy. You accepted it. This is what it is. But that didn't mean that there wasn't supposed to be a desire. Now, the desire couldn't turn into doing something illegal, doing something against the rules. But that nevertheless, there was a sense of that I still desire that it's not going to take away from what I'm doing now, dominating my house. There's something beautiful about that, also. But I'm not. But that's not going to go away. To have to be able to stand in a shul with other people, to answer Amen Yehishmei Rabbah, that's something I I desire. It's I'm not angry that I don't have it. I don't think God's punishing me. But at the end of the day, I still desire that. I want that. Um, you know, the the, the end of the story of Rabbi Akiva, It's Rabbi Kiva at 120. Is being taken out to be killed. He's having his skin combed off by the Romans with with metal, hot metal combs, and he's having a conversation with his students. And his students say to him, "Rebbe, how are you able to do this?" And Rabbi Kiva says, "Because my entire life, my entire life, I didn't know how I was going to fulfill the mitzvah in the Torah via havto. As you have to love the Lord your God." With all of your life, even if they're not they're going to take your life away, you're still going to serve God. Now that I have that opportunity, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the mitzvah, I'm not going to feel a sense of serenity. I'm able to perform a mitzvah. That's a Lamanigara moment. That's, I can't live without this. My whole life is about living with God. I think it's a whole new level. I, I think of myself. I think of the people that I know. I think it's a whole new level that i I know that a Chodesh Baruch who put this thought in my in my head this year. He, he put it in my head, not only by being mechadesh a few things, but by reading something this morning from a friend of mine that that just sparked me up, to to realize, to recognize, put me in focus that this is. This is what th- this day is, and this day is a day to remember. That you have to desire. You have to have a taiva, you have to have a desire for God in his mitzvahs, not just do them. Not just do them. So that's and that's that's what we have to we have to look in ourselves and we have to look at our observance of things. Is it observant? We're Hashem, I'm proud of the observances that I do. But are they also coupled with a desire? We're two-thirds of the way through Svira. We're in the last well, the Thursday night, we'll be two-thirds of the way through Svira. We're in the last leg of the marathon. And in that last leg of the marathon, what do we walk in to, to Matantoro with? Right. This idea of I gotta find the love, I gotta find the desire.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Um, please, if you're watching on YouTube, so then just like the video. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Um, it helps us get this out to more people and helps us get it out to you. Every time that we put out a new video, so if you like and subscribe will help us tons. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Pass the challenge awesome.